Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 15 called Redemptive Suffering. For many people, and this may be true in your life, you present the gospel to your friends and they say, what does a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago have to do with my life today? What does that mean? Why should I care? Oh, here's why. The one dying on the cross is God in human flesh. And the reason he's dying on the cross is because we in big trouble. You see, the wages of our sin is death. And so he dies the death on the cross that we deserve to die, takes the wrath of God for us. Do you think that concerns every person? Yes. But until they understand the gospel, they're not gonna see their need. All right, if you're still in the New Testament, turn over to Matthew 16. Not even the disciples could conceive of redemptive suffering. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, Matthew 16, 21, from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside, 16, 22, Matthew. He began to rebuke him and said, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you, never. But he turned to Peter. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, who? Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. This is important for us to think about if we find ourselves in a season of suffering. Peter doesn't want Jesus to suffer. Peter says, uh, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, right at this moment, you've become a spokesperson for Satan, just like Job's wife did. In what sense? God's purposes are going to be achieved through my suffering. Peter couldn't fathom it. There's no way that's gonna happen to you, Lord. And then Jesus goes on. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, what should he do? He should deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Later, he'll say, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Luke 9, 44, 45 says, but they did not understand this statement. It was concealed from them so that they not, might not perceive it and they were afraid to ask him about this statement. Even the disciples did not understand redemptive suffering. Remember the man who was born blind, John 9, turn back to the book of Job now. And they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither him nor his parents sinned, but this has happened that the works of God might be made manifest in him. The disciples didn't get it, the religious leaders didn't get it, and the modern religious mind doesn't get it. The modern religious mind believes that the principle of the universe is this, you do good and good comes back to you. Isn't it true? It's called the law of karma, dude. Now, that's not a Christian principle. 
That's an Eastern principle. And the law of karma basically says you do good things and that those good things fly up into the universe somewhere and somebody, whoever that may be, pays it back to you. That's not Christianity. Christianity does not teach the law of karma. It teaches the law of sowing and reaping, no doubt. But the Bible says that sometimes you're going to suffer and it might be because you're righteous. Sometimes you're going to be persecuted and it's for doing the right thing. See, that's how it works. Jesus was the most upright, innocent person who ever lived. And what did they do? They nailed him to a cross. Is that fair? And do you know who did it to him? Do you know the ones that instigated it the most, his crucifixion? The religious leadership of Israel. I'm not saying all Jews did it. No, 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 no. I'm saying the religious leaders of the day who were afraid of him because he was preaching the truth and preaching with authority. And religious people today, when you say, hey, grace is free, all you have to do is receive what Jesus did for you on the cross, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. This concept of grace throws the religious mind for a loop, a loop-de-loop, right? No, good people end up in the good place and bad people end up in the bad place. You can't tell me that someone repents on their deathbed and God just applies the grace of the cross to them. Yes, I can tell you that. I can tell you about a thief on the cross in his dying moments who Jesus said today, you will be with me in paradise. And he didn't even pray the sinner's prayer. You know what he said? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Most assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's not fair. He was a robber. He was guilty. Yep. Guess what? So are you. I've never stolen anything. How about a pencil or a pen or a paperclip? Yeah, but, but that's only about 50 cents. Oh, value is what determines whether or not you stole something. Yeah, it's got to be something big, like $50 or more. Or it's, 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 a, it's a white steal. So like a white lie. What is that exactly? <laughs> what does that mean? That's called justification 101. Well, she asked me how I looked in the dress or how she looked in the dress. What was I to say? <laughs> I don't know. Get creative. <laughs> I remember years ago, we were using volunteers in the church office, and they were well-meaning volunteers from the church, and I would hear them answer the phone this many years ago. Nobody in this room. <laughs> and I'd hear them answer the phone, and I, and I would say to them, hey, I'm going to be studying for the Bible study tonight, so I'm not taking phone calls unless it's an emergency. And they, I heard them answer the phone, give the church name. Oh, no, Pastor Michael's not here right now. <laughs> and they were lying to the people calling the church office because I had told them I was unavailable. So I had to walk out graciously to our volunteer secretary and say, um, here's what you can do. When they call, just say, I'm unavailable. You don't have to lie to them. Oh, he's not here. He went, yeah, he went to get another burrito. <laughs> no, but he got three of them already today. <laughs> oh my goodness, I've done all that as introduction. 
Verse 1, <laughs> Job 15. <laughs> then Eliphaz the Temanite responded. We met Eliphaz in chapters 4 and 5. He seems to be the oldest. He is the first to speak in all three cycles of speeching, speeches. He's from Teman. He's called the Temanite, an area known for wisdom. You can uh, go back and listen to the, those messages in chapters 4 and 5 if you want to know. Now, he certainly has some good things to say when he first speaks to Job. And in fact, in fact, we would say he's very gracious with Job in his opening speech in chapters 4 and 5. But as this chapter unfolds, he's losing patience with Job, like all the other so-called comforters. He's tired of hearing Job become uh, asking questions of God, claiming that he's still innocent, not, not perfectly innocent, but that he's been blameless before God. And he, he's calling upon Job to repent. But as I've mentioned before, Job doesn't need to repent. He's been honoring God and he's not gonna make something up to satisfy his friends. See, anybody who comes to you and tells you that suffering is always the result of sin is a liar. Now they may not know they're lying, they may have been taught that in their circle, but it is a flat out lie. Please hear me. All suffering is not the result of sin. Some suffering is the result of sin, but not all of it. And these religious men who have traveled for miles to come and share their wisdom and comfort with Job just cannot fathom that Job might be telling the truth that something on a deeper level is going on. And so he becomes more hostile with Job like the others. And he says, should a wise man, 15.2 of Job, answer with windy knowledge and fill himself, ESV, fill his belly with the east wind? Should he argue with useless talk or with words which are not profitable? See, first Eliphaz questions Job's wisdom. If you're a wise man, you wouldn't be talking this way as Job's been talking. In fact, it would appear that you filled your belly with a whole lot of east wind. <laughs> I will not get descriptive here. But here the idea is of a shirako. It's a hot wind in the desert that produces no rain. It does nothing but cause dryness, parchness, and sometimes misery. Should he argue with useless talk, verse three, or with words which are not profitable? What is Eliphaz saying to Job? You're a windbag. You're full of a lot of hot air. You are not wise, and I cannot categorize you as wise. He's becoming impatient with what he perceives as Job's wind, windy <laughs> knowledge coming out of his life for Indeed, you do away with reverence. Let me pause here for a second. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they are pontificating about uh, concepts and you start to get the idea that they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about? And you're like, where did you get this? And they said, well, I had one of those fortune cookies. I pulled it out, you know, just to see. You ever, you ever do that? Just to see. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Let me pause here for a second. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they are pontificating about uh, concepts and you start to get the idea that they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about? And you're like, where did you get this? And they said, well, I had one of those fortune cookies. I pulled it out, you know, just to see. You ever, you ever do that? Just to see. And uh, I do that. I eat Chinese food, and I always open it up. And one time, I was with Shane, and it said, you are an extremely creative individual. And I said, well, that's a bunch of hogwash. Because <laughs> I'm not. I'm a visionary, but I draw stick figures when I draw. Anyway. But you even undermine, so look at uh, verse 4. You do away with reverence. You hinder meditation before God. Eliphaz going after Job. Verse 4, NIV. You even undermine piety. ESV. You do away with the fear of God and hinder devotion. Devotion is uh, a Hebrew word which means musing, study, prayer, meditation, consideration. It can also mean complaint. You do away with meditation before God and the fear of God. You're undermining the system, Job. Do you hear yourself talking, questioning God, saying you're innocent? You have to have something to repent over. Job, you're, we don't want people to be listening to you anymore. Your newfangled ideas might catch on. You're messing with the system. You see, think about it this way. This is what one writer says. He says, Job, and your newfangled ideas, if they catch on, all the usual incentives to be godly and pious will be gone. Listen, if blessing does not follow virtue, why be virtuous, close quote? Do you know the books that are flying off the shelf today in Christian communities? It's books that are pretty much self-help. How you can get everything you can get from God, Right? They fly off the shelf. Even the book called The Secret flew off the shelves. How many of you remember the book called The Secret? Oprah was putting it before the, and The Secret was simply this. You speak to the universe, and you say, universe, I would really like to have a slim figure, but I'm about to eat this third chocolate cupcake. But I'm gonna speak up to the universe and say, cupcake, you are not gonna make me fat. 
and I speak it into the universe. Now, <laughs> I got news for you. You can speak to the universe, whoever that is, all you want. You're going to get fat if you eat all those chocolate cupcakes. Or you pull out your wallet and you say, oh, wallet, you are just fat and full of money. And I just want you to expand right now in the name. You got to say it that way. But here's the truth. If you didn't go to work that week, it ain't happening. Think with me. If your motivation to be godly is only for blessings, it's not for the master's honor, but what you can get that's on his table. Oh, this is the way it works. You live a godly, pious life so you can pull the handle and get the candy bar when you want it. Let me ask you, is your motivation the honor of the master or what you can get from him? You see, that is selling big in Christian circles. What you can get from the master's table. The moment the master pulls the blessings off the table, will you still be virtuous and godly? What if you were Joseph and you said to Potiphar's wife, I will not sleep with you because it's wrong and I won't dishonor God or dishonor my master. And then you get falsely accused and end up in prison. You gonna stop being godly now? Well, that doesn't work. Is your walk about pragmatism? What I mean by that is your walk all about what works or is it the honor of the God who made you despite what happens? Now, I'm not telling you this is easy. <laughs> Please hear me. But I'm telling you that this is what the book of Job is teaching us. And Satan said to God, the moment you take his blessings away and remove that hedge, he will curse you to your face. The only reason he follows you it's because you bless his life. Pull it away and see what he does. What did Job do? He shaved his head, got down on the ground, and he worshiped the Lord after his huge losses. Why? Naked I came into the world, naked I'm gonna leave it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How does somebody do that? They do that because they were not serving God in the first place for what they could get out of him. This is what the book of Job is saying. In Romans 8, 17 and 18, it says, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us or to us. Romans 8, 17 and 18. Paul writes to Timothy and says, suffer hardship, 2 Timothy 2.3, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, suffer hardship with me, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Imagine if you followed the Apostle Paul around the Roman world, from shipwreck to imprisonment to whippings to being beat within an inch of his life, to being left for dead in Lystra. Let's say that you were a, a, a reporter that traveled around the world and you were doing a story on the Apostle Paul. And someone asked you, hey, by the way, make, part of your report should be this. Do you think the Lord's blessing Paul? 
Can you imagine? You go up with your microphone, he's in prison. Everybody's bailed on him except Luke. <laughs> hey, Paul, are you blessed? You blessed? Oh, hold on, let me show you the scars I got in this city and the scars I got in that city and how people fasted until, until I was dead. And do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? But Paul was the most blessed man who probably walked the face of the earth. Why? How many people did the guy bring to Christ? Untold numbers. We're still reading his letters today, inspired by God. Was his life easy? No. Do you think people looked at Paul and said, gee, I really want to be like the apostle Paul. Preach like him. Be like him. Do you know the description of the apostle Paul when he would come into town? He wasn't coming in in designer suits. And he wasn't winning popularity contests in most of the cities that he preached in. But did he accomplish God's will? Oh, yeah. You see, I know this doesn't sell. I understand that. But here's what the Bible is saying. And Eliphaz says, your guilt teaches your mouth, verse 5, and you choose the language of the crafty. You're being crafty. You're guilty. Your own mouth condemns you and not I. Your own lips testify against you. New Living Translation says, your sins are telling your mouth what to say. Your words are based on clever deception. You're cunning and crafty. Do you know the word for crafty there is the same word used of the serpent in Genesis 3.1 that he was more crafty than all the beasts that the Lord God had made? How could Eliphaz say that to Job? I thought he was supposed to come and comfort the guy. Have you ever noticed people who are supposed to be your comforters can quickly become your critics? You've been listening to Redemptive Suffering Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job Chapter 15. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program, too. So we're very grateful to our financial and prayer partners. Seriously, thank you. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps, so please pray about it. And then visit walkintruth.com to donate. If you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner with us? And just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com today. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, as you listen to the book of Job, you may be thinking to yourself, maybe you're a new Christian and you thought, you know, I thought becoming a Christian would make my life better, easier, but things seem harder. And the reason that you may have thought that is because sometimes when we hear the message of the gospel, let's, let's just face it, sometimes it's not honestly portrayed. I mean, the fullness of being a disciple of Christ but sometimes in giving the good news, we're so excited about the good news, we, we don't necessarily fill in every gap. We do have a battle now as a believer with the world, the flesh, and the enemy. And so, you know what? Let's think about it this way. I think if you've been walking this earth for a while, here's what you know. Nothing good in life 
is easy. I mean, if it were easy, everybody'd be doing it. But if it were easy, it probably wouldn't have a whole lot of value. You see, what is tough and challenging are the things that really matter the most for the most part, I would say. And so that's Christianity as well. It's so beautiful, so valuable, but it's going to be opposed. It's going to be fought against because of the significance of it and what it means to know Christ and to have life. So don't give up and just, you know, join the club if you're finding the Christian life a battle. But remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. He is so good. Well, speaking of battling, it's, you know, it's good to battle with other brothers and sisters. And we have at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor, we have men's and women's Bible studies going on all throughout the week. It's a chance to connect. It's a chance to battle with brethren side by side to help one another, build up one another, sharpen one another, help each other with temptation, be accountable, all of that stuff. And if you want to connect with a men's or women's Bible study, you can do so when you download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for that red logo with the pillars, download it for free, and you can find out everything that's going on at Living Truth in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, including men's and women's Bible studies. Hope you connect. God bless you. We'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Job. You can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 15 called Redemptive Suffering. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.